Welcome to podcast number 69 for Thanks for Your Service. Our focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian military. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net and you can email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. Our next guest gives us a remarkable insight into the Australian Army's vital, yet probably least known units, the Unrecovered War Casualties Army. Major Cameron Clark joins us to tell us more. So Cameron, you must belong to one of the Army's least known but vitally important units. What is the unit? Uh, yes, David. So the unit is called the Unrecovered War Casualty Army, or UWCA for short, makes it a bit easier to, to say. And um, it is, uh, it's not a well-known unit within the Army um, and outside of the Army. But I think why that is, is because the success we have, we, we want to share that with the greater army we, we don't need to have the spotlight on us it's about the army and more importantly this the australian government the australian community working towards identifying um our war dead so um our work is probably well known and we'll talk about some of the successes we've had um later on if, if you want to ask about that but the actual army name for our team is is not that well known when was the unit formed so it was formed in 2010. Um, prior to that, any work that came up, if remains were found or to be investigated, and this was particularly the case in around um, Malaysia and Vietnam, the Army History Unit, uh, which is still around today, they sort of seemed to be the best fit to sort of, um, and there was a couple of uh, specialists amongst that. Um, uh, Jack Thurger, who was also ex-AFP, um, used to sort of have a heavy hand in, in doing those investigations. And then in 2010, the Army thought that there's enough scope to actually mandate a dedicated team, and hence the UWCA um, was was formed. Where are you based, or where so, is the unit based? Yeah, so we're based out of Canberra. We, we The UWCA um, answers straight to the Chief of Army's office, and, our, and the uh, headquarters is there. However, most of the people I talk about this, if we talk about the structure of, of the unit, most people are specialist, either investigators or specialist scientists and um, capability. And as you can imagine, that requires us to be all around the country. Um, so the actual headquarters is, is in the Chief of Army's um, building. However, um, most people are, are around the country. And how big is the unit, Cameron? Um, so it's only small. Uh, it fluctuates in size. Um, you know, it's definitely under about 20 full-time, um, as in permanent members, um, and three public servants. So there's three actual permanent staff or public servants, the manager, and then it's broken up into two areas that we cover, Asia-Pacific. So there's a public servant sort of responsible for managing um, the work that comes in for that and also Europe and Africa is the other sort of geographical area where we have a public servant looking after those areas as well. Um, and But within the unit, so the rest are uh, uniformed, all Army reservists, and it's broken up into two sections. So we've got the investigation side, who are all investigators like myself, who are either usually 
um, you know, current or former serving investigators, usually police or you know detectives or other investigative sort of government bodies. So that's the investigation side of things. And then the other half are what we call the specialists. So they're all, um, you know, might be anthropologists or archaeologists, forensic dentists, DNA experts. And um, I remember the first time that I um, joined the team and I, uh, a couple of months later, I went to the annual conference. It was the first time I'd sort of got everyone, I'd been, and met everyone. And I could tell you I felt pretty inadequate because, you know, being a sort of layperson, you know, ex-regular army and then the federal police, you know, with just sort of a normal um, academic background, then all of a sudden, you know, my, my teammates were professors or you know senior lecturers at you know well-established universities within their field of of endeavor um you know being all the specialists so i just remember remember thinking wow you know there's some there's some brain power amongst um you know this team i was, I was pretty impressed what's the role cameron what what does the unit do so first and foremost it just carries on what the army and defense force say is we we never forget our war debt um, and if we ever can and have the opportunity, we will always, um, you know, we'll never cease to, to look for our war dead and, and hopefully try to identify our war dead and give them some type of dignified either burial or commemoration service when we can. So that's our overall, um, you know, bigger picture. But um, what we do today, um, I'll go back a step. So in 2010 and prior to our inception as a unit, we were there usually reactionary. So some remains might have been found in, in New Guinea or or in um, Malaysia or on the Western Front in uh, Europe. And it'd be formed to just try and identify those remains. As time's gone on, our mandates got wider. So now our team is largely responsible sort of for three avenues of work. One of those is still responsive, so if remains are found in particularly now Papua New Guinea and in, um, you know, Belgium or, or France from, from World War One, um, if if there's a belief that there could be a unrecovered Australian serviceman, then we will investigate that. And obviously with the anthropologists, we'll, we'll conduct a review to try and give us a, you know, an age of, of, the, of the serviceman and the height and all those type of sort of uh, evidence that would help us identify um, and then other specialists doing their things, DNA will we'll try and sort of get a candidate list to do family tree histories, track down living relatives and, and do all that. And on the investigator side, you're there to um, hopefully narrow down a candidate pool. So knowing where that set of remains was found, because particularly in the World War One battles, we still have over a thousand Australians might be unrecovered from that couple of square kilometres. Um, and it's not like the movies where we can instantly get DNA profiles or, or whatnot, you know, even to track down one living family member to request uh, for them to provide a DNA sample is onerous. So to start with, a, to so have a candidate pool of a thousand would, would take forever. Um, so hopefully, you know, given what artefacts might have been found and knowing what units were there, as the role as an investigator, you might be able to hopefully narrow down that candidate list to something small and workable and hopefully get about it. So that's one avenue. The other one is the proactive sort of work. So if we um, 
work on a particular area might be the Battle of Bullycourt, for example. And over time, we might uh, do a lot of sort of plotting of where unrecovered, where we last think that they might have, um, our Australian servicemen who are still unrecovered might be, and we plot. And then if we got a concentrated area and we had some other circumstantial evidence, we might go and do like a commission, a survey of the ground itself to look for, you know, any anomalies or anything like that that might lead us to go on a proactive dig for, um, you know, if we thought there was going to be um, numerous unrecovered Australians in that area. So that's that's proactive and that's obviously very long-term. Um, there's a lot of resources and planning going to, to, to doing that. So that's not something we do every day, but it is ongoing in a few different areas. And then the last thing we've moved into in the last couple of years, which is becoming more and more common, is what we call headstone investigations. Because we still have thousands, we don't know the exact number in, in particularly Western Europe, because some of the unknowns are listed as unknown Commonwealth soldier or unknown soldier. But within the vicinity of 10,000 Australians may lay in a grave, but in an unknown grave. Um, so obviously that grave is a serviceman so we try to where we can um, identify a grave to an actual serviceman and i just make the point that we can't actually do that without a lot of work from other um, volunteer historical groups and i'll, I'll mention the, the fallen diggers has been um, our sort of biggest producer of initial work who, who do line up the initial submission um, will have some information about a certain grave and, and they will put forward a submission and then it comes to the UWCA to sort of further that investigation and, and um, you know, submit that before a tribunal. And if all circumstantial evidence was, um, uh, you know, at a high enough threshold because we look at, you know, concentration records from graves registration units to um, Red Cross files where they interviewed um, lots and lots of, of um, servicemen, you know, during and after the war about fellow uh, people within their company who they may have seen and asked where they were, you know, they were last seen on the battlefield. Those type of records, um, anything other sort of anecdotal records, and we can draw a picture and put a submission forward, and it's based on the power balance of probabilities. So once this submission is, is put forward to a tribunal, it's only circumstantial evidence and based on the balance of probabilities. But if they uphold the submission, then that headstone will be, um, you know, the unknown soldier headstone will be removed and a, you know, those details will be uh, ceremony, a re, what they call a rededication ceremony will be held. And although it doesn't seem to get the amount of um, publicity as where fresh remains are identified and, and given a, a, a burial, to me, it is still a soldier who was lost for 100 years and who's now found, now has a known final resting place. So to me, it's just as important and just as um, rewarding doing these uh, headstone investigations as doing any of the other um, Type of work, and as it's turned out in the last five years, we've had you know lots of success in in slowly, um, you know, identifying um, graves, you know, one by one, and knowing you know which Australian servicemen. And I have the pleasure of being able to you know 
contact um, family members, you know, throughout this process. And at the end and last year, I was actually involved in being the master of ceremonies for 17 of these ceremonies. And I can tell you that it's still usually a very, very strong part of that family history that, you know, their great, great uncle, and it might be now, you know, you're talking three, even four generations removed from that young man killed in the Western Front and, and you know, 105 years or 106 years might have passed, but it's still fairly raw within their family about how their great, great uncle was killed, um, you know, in a certain battle and was never found and now has a known final resting place. So, yeah. Can you give us an example of a, of a recovery project that you've been involved in recently? So the one that comes to mind was um, a serviceman was found. So some um, council workers were digging a water pipe just outside of uh, Epa, which uh, Menham, a lot of people would know, you know, Menham Road or the Menham Gate Memorial in, in Belgium in a place called Zombecker. And they dug up um, some uh, set of remains fairly intact. Um, it, was an, it was obvious from the start given the artefacts that were with uh, the, the body that it was an Australian serviceman, there was rising sun and um, badges and all those type of things. So um, I was given that um, investigation and I became the case officer. But unfortunately, the Battle of Menham Road, and for those people who, who know about that, with, you know, there's some 3,000 Australians killed over, over that period of time. And still a fair over a thousand Australians are unrecovered from that one from that one area. Um, unfortunately the the anthropology um, the anthro analysis was you know your typical sort of um, soldier of the of the time, you know, five foot three to five foot eight, you know, twenty to thirty years of age. So all those sorts of initial information wasn't really sort of narrowing down the candidate pool. Um, so I was faced with, um, you know, a, a lot of, of potentials. We have a policy that after a few years, we still haven't identified the remains that they will be buried anyway, but and they'll be given a mil military funeral, but still buried as an unknown soldier. And it just so happened. Um, so we got to that point where we where I still couldn't even draw down a narrow candidate pool and um, last year, the decision was made to, to bury uh, with full military honours th that um, particular unknown serviceman. And I was also going over in that year uh, to um, undertake ceremonies for the headstone investigations that we previously done. And also I was accompanied by the Jonathan Church uh, award recipients and for those people who don't know what Jonathan Church Award is it's the top soldier or top NCO of the year so five of these awards are handed out only you know within the army each year for soldiers and, and NCOs who have you know um, done some you know pretty good work and because of COVID and non-international travel it had backlogged and so there was about 15 of these uh, young men and women who, who were recipients and they were going to accompany uh, myself and some other UWCA members um, to one, give them some professional development, but two, also enhance the ceremonies that we were going to do. Um, and one of the ceremonies we were going to do was actually bury this um, Australian soldier from uh, Menon Road. So it was 
pretty moving for me to be involved in the investigation for a few years. And then here I was in Belgium being the master of ceremonies for uh, his burial. Um, and it was um, yeah, a pretty special time. And then to even add it off, the, the night before he was buried, uh, we got permission uh, from the Menon Road um, custodians to lay the soldier in state in the Menon, Menon Road um, Menon Gate Memorial for the last post ceremony, which gets held. So that was that was pretty moving as well. But it doesn't end there. So we we end up burying him um, as still an unknown Australian soldier. But within the last uh, year and a half, the UWCA has gone into partnership with QUT, Queensland University of Technology, uh, on this DNA uh, innovation hub. So they've been commissioned to assist us with um, DNA work. And uh, part of that work is with advanced DNA technology. So um, what we're uh, hoping to get in the near future is um, uh, some analysis back on that unknown soldier on and hopefully we'll get uh, hair color, eye color, skin pigmentation, um, possibly country of origin. So all those extra bits of information, as you can imagine, will greatly reduce that candidate pool from a thousand down to hopefully a fairly manageable um, you know number for us to then trace down uh, living family members to get DNA and um, identify this this unknown um, you know Australian soldier. So um, you know I'm hopeful within the next couple of years that he that unknown soldier will have a name and we'll be able to go back and change the headstone from unknown Australian soldier to who it was. And it's amazing that technology and, and that 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 technology that technology advancement I assume has the capability of changing this for possibly hundreds if not thousands of Australian services yes, have yes, not definitely. been yet identified. Yes, what about do we uh, do we still use the, the the terminology of missing in action? No, no. So I think because we don't. Oh well, I don't. Can't speak for the wider community, but we purposely don't use that term because, particularly in um, Europe, is there are a lot of. Um, servicemen who were, you know, were found during or after the war and were buried, but as an unknown. So, you know, technically they're not missing in action, but mm. um, they're what we call they're, you know, unrecovered or in a not in a known grave, which which is probably the most correct term um, to to use. So, yeah, unrecovered or not in a known grave. Do, do we then have an, any sort of estimate of numbers of Australian service people across? all the conflicts since probably not the Boer War, but since Federation, um, who are still un unidentified or unrecovered? Yes, yeah, so we're, we've got, you know, a uh, great deal of accuracy on those um, numbers. Um, so it's around 25,000 for, for all wars, um, for First World War and Second World War in Korea. Um, we've, we've managed to locate the, you know, small number who were missing from, um, you know, the Malay or, or Vietnam War. Uh, there's still 44 missing from uh, Korea. Um, but obviously the vast majority, you know, roughly 22,000 from World War One, and uh, 3,000 from, from World War II um, are still without a known grave. So, 
that's a lot. And, you know, our work will continue, um, you know, the reality of it is we'll, ne we'll never identify the whole 25,000, but that's our end game, you know, if we could keep doing it and that's what we'll do, that every soldier would have a known grave. Mm. So what are some of the other recent recoveries that the unit has been involved in? This year we've had a few successes. One of the others was the Montevideo uh, Maru, which was that uh, Japanese um, transport ship, which was carrying a 1,000 POWs at the time, mostly of Australian um, POWs who were captured in um, Rabaul or, or, or New Britain, and it was sunk just off the coast of um, north of the Philippines in, I think, 1st July 1942. And it was always a great, uh, as you can imagine, it was a great mystery. Um, it wasn't until after the war that the Australians actually knew what it, what it, you know, relatives knew what had happened to that ship because they weren't, weren't able to get any information, obviously, out of the Japanese during the war. And, but it was in an area where the sea depth, you know, was deeper than what the Titanic is. So, um, you know, the possibility in those days of ever finding any um, whereabouts of, of that ship was next to nothing. But um, through some tiles work of, I think, a, a few different organisations and private organisations and also supported by the UWCA with sort of historical work, uh, this year the Montevideo uh, Maru was actually located just north of the Philippines and, you know, giving... Um, some type of solace to those family members who you know had um uh, you know loved ones on that ship you know there's 850 um australians you know it was australia's biggest loss of life you know in a single incident during world war ii um so that was pretty important we've also there's been an ongoing project uh the Fromel project which has been ongoing so um and for about 14 years ago, a mass grave was located uh, through some good work by some private historians um, just outside of of um, Fromel in a place called Pheasant Wood. 250 um, Australian soldiers were uh, exhumed from this mass grave and slowly, one by one, um, where they can, through you know DNA and historical research, have been identified. Um, that work is still going on, ongoing. And, you know, we won't stop until all 250 have been identified. And only this year, another five of those soldiers, um, taking our total to 173 soldiers have now been identified from the 250. So it still leaves 77 to go, but we're still going and we're still working on it. And we're still committed that, you know, all of those soldiers will hopefully be identified one day. So that's and so the and the last thing that I'd like to talk about was um, Templeton's Crossing. So that's an area roughly about halfway up the Kokoda Trail, and this year we had another team go up to Templeton's Crossing with um, you know mainly our specialists to ensure that that temporary um, uh, temporary uh, cemetery uh, wartime cemetery was properly cleared. So most of the you know, uh, servicemen were removed from that temporary um, wartime cemetery, you know, 75 years ago and um, buried in Bamana. However, sometimes that clearance wasn't always totally successful. So this year we went back there to ensure that the, the cemetery had been cleared and, and during the process was able to locate some additional uh, remains um, from there to then be 
transported back and then again um you know will be interred at, at Bamana uh war cemetery so yeah we've had a pretty busy year for for a fairly small team of people who are all reservists who all have you know outside um you know careers and lives and things like that so yeah i can't speak highly enough of our team and just how incredibly exciting and rewarding the work is and um yeah in the 27 years i've been in the military for both regular army and reservists it's definitely been the highlight of my career and hopefully i can do it for the rest of <laughs> the rest of my time in, in the green uniform if they'll let me and where can people go to find out more about the unit um so we've we're got the website is in the um if you just look up uh, undercover war casualty army it'll take you to the part of the um you know official australian army website and there um there's different segments you'll see some um different areas about the w recent work we've undertaken but there's also a segment there where if you believe that you have a relative who's still unrecovered from from a war there's um you know uh, some drop down menus where you can uh, register your name and, and details and um, the unit will get in contact with you doesn't mean that we'll always need to get a dna sample from you but it's good to know that these people have registered details and we've got them should you know should we need to um. that's the podcast for today we're keen to hear your feedback by leaving a review on your podcast app and your reviews helps new listeners find our podcast you can help support this podcast via Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee. The links are on our website and Facebook page and your support helps us with the production of this podcast. We'll be back with you in January 2024. Season's greetings, thanks for listening and thanks for your service. <laughs>